All right, well, good morning, church. So good to be back here with you again. It's been a while, and uh, it's been good to spend some time away. I've been uh, sharpening the axe, and so now it's, I'm ready to swing it. I, saw, I told the last uh, service, it's a really weird illustration, so bear with me. Uh, I haven't preached in a while. So anyways, uh, I'm so glad I'm here with you guys. I missed you guys, and it's so good to be able to be here on a Sunday morning at Tri-Village Church. With, uh, with the church family. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? And so, uh, what's up, man? <laughs> it's my man right there. It's my man right there. So anyways, um, so listen, this morning, uh, actually, before I say that, for those of you who don't know me, my name is, uh, I feel like I've been so long for so long, you probably have no idea who I am. My, my name is uh, Will Franco. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And if you're new here, I would love, love, love to get a chance to meet you. I'll be over by the steps um, at the end of the service, and so we'd love to shake your hand and personally welcome you this morning. And uh, this morning, we are actually starting a brand new two-week series entitled Made for This. And the reason why we are doing this series is because we are ramping up to the ministry year, and one of the things that happens as you get closer to the ministry year is you address certain subjects that need to be addressed in order to prepare people uh, for community and for service. And so in this two-week series, what we're going to do is we're going to be working our way through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So this morning, we're going to get through the first part of 1 Corinthians 12. And then next week, we're going to finish the second part of 2 Corinthians 12. So, so this morning, what we're going to do is we are beginning by addressing and unpacking the subject of service or serving in the church. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, Go ahead and turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be here on the screen behind me. And one of the things that we do here at Tri-Village is we stand for the reading of God's Word. So if you can please do that now, that would be awesome. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Verse 1 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Everyone say uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts. Everyone say gifts. But the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service. Everyone say service. But the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. Everyone say working. working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the, through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these works are of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines, is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we come before you this morning. It is so good to be here at Tri-Village Church. It's so good to be back with your people, with my people. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would keep me from saying anything that does not come from you. Lord, we believe that your word is not just inerrant, 
but your word is sufficient. And so, Lord, I know that I am neither of those. So I pray, Father, that from the moment I say amen, that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, would be honoring and glorifying to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's my prayer. That's our prayer. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So like I already mentioned uh, this morning, we are starting this brand new two-week series made for this. And and, and this morning, we are addressing the subject of serving, the subject of serving. And what I want to do this morning is we are going to look at this subject, this topic of serving under two headings. We're going to begin this morning by looking at the call, and then we are going to conclude by looking at the cost. So the call is the call that Paul gives us in this passage, where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning, and then we'll spend the, the last few minutes looking at the cost. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to see that in this passage, Paul doesn't just give us this general call. He actually gives us a four-part calling that we need to be aware of and that we need to live in light of if we are going to obey what this passage is teaching us. This calling has four parts to it. In this passage, Paul is calling us to learn, to discern, to serve, and to glorify. All right? So the first part of the calling is to learn. Look what it says in verse 1 of this passage. Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be what? Uninformed. So the first part of our calling, if we are going to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us, the first part of our calling is that we must make sure that we are not uninformed. In other words, we must learn what the Bible teaches about the gifts of the Spirit. The the Greek word there, uninformed, it, it literally means to be ignorant. It means to lack information and or to be in error. And a lot of us, that's what we are. Either we're ignorant because we've never heard about them, or we're in error because we are misinformed or uninformed. So some of us are uninformed, and some of us are misinformed. And if we are going to be good stewards of the gifts God's given us, then we have to make sure that we have a biblical understanding of what God says about the gifts. Here's the thing. Theology will always impact your praxology. In other words, what you believe will always impact how you behave. And so if what you believe is incorrect, then how you behave will also be incorrect. And so one of the reasons why I believe this is so important, not just for the Corinthians, because let me give you some context. The church of Corinth uh, is a hot mess, and we'll talk about that more later on. But, But one of the things that they were doing wrong is that they were mistreating, mishandling, not being good stewards of the gifts that God had given them. They were treating certain gifts as more important than other gifts. And so Paul has to write to them, and he says, I am writing to you because I don't want you to be uninformed. And I think that the the same reason why Paul is speaking to them is the same reason why I'm speaking to us. This is such an important subject that Paul dedicates an entire chapter to it. And there's other places in Scripture where he addresses it as well. And so we must not be uninformed. We must not be ignorant. We must not be lacking information. And as a result, not be in error is what Paul's saying. Okay? So the first part of the calling is to learn. And hopefully by the end of this message, we will all have learned what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. The second part of the calling is to discern. We're going to spend a little bit more time on this one. Paul is not just calling us to learn about the spiritual gifts. He's also calling us to discern 
the spiritual gifts. Look what uh, it says here in verses 4 through 6. It says there are different kinds of what? But the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of? But the same Lord. And there are different kinds of? But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you here. A lot of what I studied in this passage are things that I had heard before. But this part of the sermon or this part of the passages I was studying, it was the part that I most learned from because there was things in this section that I didn't actually know. And so my hope is that by the time we're done here, you will know what I know. And if you already knew it, well, congratulations to you, okay? The second part of our calling is to discern. But according to Paul, there are three levels of discernment that we must carry out. The first level is our gifts. The second level is our service. And then the third level is our working. You and I must discern the, this, this topic of spiritual gifts at all three levels, gifts, service, and working. So, so we're going we're gonna to walk through each one. And as we walk through these, I want you to be evaluating yourself and trying to figure out, trying to discern, God, what are you calling me to do? Because if you're here and you're a believer today, the Bible says that God has given you not just the Holy Spirit, but you have the gifts Amen. of the Spirit. Amen. There are gifts that God has given you. And so as I walk through this list, I want you to be discerning and asking the Lord, Lord, what are the gifts that you have given me. And this is just a side note. I didn't mention this in the first service because I didn't write it originally into my sermon, but I'm going to say it now. Don't ever confuse spiritual gifts with spiritual fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, it happens as you walk with Jesus and as you mature in the gospel. You can have a ton of gifts and no fruit. Okay? So let's not confuse, oh, that person's really gifted, they must be really mature. No, that's not how it works. There's a difference between, difference between fruit and gifts. So the first level of discernment that is needed is we have to discern what kinds of gifts has God given me. Like I said, if you're a believer here today, you have been given gifts, a gift or gifts. It's part of the promise. It comes with the territory. What's interesting, though, is that in Scripture, this isn't the only list that we are given. Right after this, uh, in, in verse 7 through 10, Paul, Paul gives different examples of gifts. But what's interesting is that in Scripture, this isn't the only list. There are multiple lists, and each list has different types of gifts. In other words, what the Bible wants you to know is that none of these, gifts, none of these lists are exhaustive, but to the best of your ability, you must seek to discern what gifts has God given me. The other thing I want you to realize, though, is that there is a difference between spiritual gifts and natural talent. Okay? There's a difference between gifts, talents, and skills. So a, 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 a talent is something that we are born with. Many of us are born with different talents. Christians, non-Christians are talented. So a non-Christian can be artistic. A non-Christian can be athletic. A non-Christian can be a musician. We are all given different talents, okay? We're born with those. That's common grace. But there's also skills. There are certain skills that if you give enough time to, you can learn and develop. The spiritual gifts are not talents and they're not skills. They are given to you when you place your faith in Jesus, okay? I just want to make that very, very clear. There's a difference between those two things. So maybe you're sitting here today and your question is, okay, 
if the first level, if the first layer of discernment is figuring out what my gifts are, then how do I figure that out? Well, one of the ways you figure it out is by serving. As you serve, the Lord reveals to you the things that you are good at, the things that he's blessing and the fruit that you're producing, right? But another way, and this is actually a very easy way to do it, on our website on trivillagechurch.org serve, if you go to that page, there's actually a link for you on spiritual gifts. You click the link and you take the test. And the test will then reveal to you what are the things that you are gifted in. Now, side note, in order to log in, you have to put a login and put in your information. If you're one of those conspiracy theorists who watch too much YouTube and you freak out about stuff like that because uh, the Illuminati are going to get you, then there, there's actually physical copies of it at the welcome desk. So there's no excuse, okay? So if you don't know how to use the internet, there's paper. If you don't know what paper is, there's the internet, okay? But my challenge to you this week is to take this test and to discern what are the gifts that God has given me. And then once you figure out what those gifts are, then look at what Tri-Village needs and say, how can I use my gifts to serve the body that God has placed me in? Okay? So the first layer is gifts. But the second layer of discernment, now, now we're getting into the territory that I didn't know. Okay? I knew the first territory, the first layer. But this is where I really started to learn this week because I, I wasn't aware of some of these things. Not only do we have to discern what type of gifts we are given, but then we also have to discern what types of service we are called to carry out. Here's what I mean. You can have three people who all have the gift of teaching, the same gift, but that gift is manifested in different services. So, for example, three people, gift of teaching, one of them is teaching children's church, the other one is preaching to adults on Sunday morning, and the other one teaches at a secular college to college students. All have the gift of teaching, though. The gift is the same, but the context or the service is different. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example of an evangelist, for example. We, we as believers are all called to evangelize, but Scripture makes it very clear that there is the gift of evangelism. And, and, and you see that I'll, I'll, I'll use Pastor Lon, who, who's been here and helped us launch this church. Lon and I have both been gifted in evangelism, but the way that our evangelism gift is manifested is different. The way it's exhibited is different. So, for example, Lon can stand in front of any crowd, 100 people, 1,000 people. He could read from the newspaper, and at the end, he can say, repent and believe, and everybody repents and believes. <laughs> people who already knew Jesus get saved again. <laughs> what I've seen in my ministry is that there's some of that, but I'm not actually a stage evangelist. I'm actually much more of a personal one-on-one -on -one evangelist. You put me in front of a non-believer on a train, or I've been, I haven't been on a train in years, but if you, you know what I mean, on, on a, anywhere, and I will then be able to share the gospel. I don't know why. I can sit there with that person, and many times I feel more comfortable with this person who doesn't know Jesus than I do with Christians. Amen. See, we both have the gift of evangelism, but one of them is more public, and the other one is more private. That's the distinction I want you to see, that you can have the same gifts as someone, but your service looks different depending on what God is calling you to do, okay? Then the third layer is this. He says there are different kinds of working. The word there, working, in, in Greek is the word energizma, which literally means energy. It means effect. It means impact. It, essentially, it means fruitfulness. So, so get this. Two people can have the same gift, be participating in the same type of service, and yet one might have more working 
more impact, more fruitfulness than the other. I don't know why, but that's just how God is. Same gift, same service, completely different impact, completely different effect. So one of the things that we have to be aware of, and one of the reasons why this is important for us to take note, is because this is probably the area where we are most tempted to be jealous of others. See, we tend to be jealous or, or compare ourselves to the people who are most like us. And when the people who are most like us, who have the same gifts, serving in the same way, but are getting more fruit, we get angry, we get jealous. But according to the passage, you can't get jealous because it's God who determines that. So, so here, let me predict this. One of the, one of the, the people that Lon told me about, Pastor Lon, I'm bringing up Lon a lot today, but he, he was telling me when he was working on his book on Billy Graham, he said that there was this pastor. I, I, I searched for him all night last night. I couldn't find his name. But there was a pastor that when Billy Graham started his ministry, he started his ministry right around the same time. An evangelist just like Billy Graham. He was going out and he was doing campaigns. His ministry ended up really bad. I forgot something happened where it all ended really bad. But at the beginning, they started just at the same time. And what was interesting is that newspaper clippings say that this other guy was actually a better preacher than Billy Graham. But for some reason, God blessed Billy's ministry, not his. But that wasn't Billy's choice. It wasn't like Billy was better than him. It's just that God decided to use the worst preacher in many people's eyes. And that's what God decided to do. Does that make sense? So, so we have to understand here that, that the, the, you can't get jealous for someone because of the fruit that God gives them, and that person can't get prideful because of the fruit that God gives them, because only God determines that. Right. I, I also read a few years ago about how uh, Jim Elliott, the, the famous missionary who went to Ecuador and died early on in his ministry, he had a brother who was also a missionary and did a whole lifetime of ministry, and no one's ever heard of him. So Jim Elliott did ministry for, what, a week or so, died. And the, the other guy did a lifetime ministry we've never heard of him. Because God determines that. It's not our job to determine that. So if God is the one that gives the gifts, if God is the one who determines the types of service, if God is the one doing the working, then that means God is the one that should get the glory. Amen? Actually, I, was, I told this story in the last service. I, I, a few weeks ago, I was preaching, uh, actually, it was more like a few months ago, I was preaching at Wheaton Bible Church, and it was during the Explore God series, and the, the question was, is the Bible reliable? So I get up to speak, and I remember that day, I had so much information in my head that I was trying to remember, so I really wasn't focused on the audience, and then I got up, and about midway through my sermon, I look out, and I see two guys that went to high school with me, who I haven't seen since high school. And the only reason why they were there is because one of their family members was getting baptized. Or no, there was a, a child dedication, and so they were in the service. So at the end of the, at the, end of the sermon, uh, this, one of the guys comes up to me, and we're talking. And he says to me, man, I, I didn't even know you were a pastor, bro. And I'm like, I mean, you didn't even know I was saved. I was, when, I, when I knew you, I wasn't even a Christian. I didn't get saved until eight, I was 18, right? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's crazy, though, because... Even back in high school, I knew you were going to be a public speaker. And I was like, what are you talking about? I remember we were in that communication class, and you gave that speech? And I'm like, I was thinking, I remember that speech. That was terrible. Like, that was nothing, right? And he was trying to, in that moment, say that the reason why I had done well that day, that Sunday, was because of a talent that I had before I came to Jesus. And I wanted them to know, hey, actually, no, bro, that's, that's not the case, actually. 
That's actually very different. What you saw maybe was a talent because I didn't know Jesus yet. But this is actually God now. It's a gift from God so he gets the glory. See the distinction? So if, if we are going to be stewards of the gifts God has given us, we have to be able to discern these three levels, our gifts, our service, and God's working. Let's go to the, the list again. So the first part of the calling is to learn. The second part of the calling is to discern. The third part of our calling is to serve. Look what it says in verse 7 of this passage. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the what? For the common good. It is given for, the passage says, the common good. That, that, that Greek word there, or that Greek phrase, common good, it, it, it literally means in the Greek, it means to use your gifts for the advantage, for the benefit, and for the profitability of others. In other words, just in case you missed it, the gifts you have are from God to you for others. Let me say that again. Okay, if you're taking notes, write it down. If you got Twitter, tweet it, okay? The, the, the spiritual gifts are from God to you for others. But a lot of us, we think they're from us to us for us. That's not how it works. We have been given these gifts, not for us, but for the common good. For the benefit, for the advantage, and for the profitability of the body of Christ. That's why you've been given gifts. So get this. Follow with me here. If you are sitting here today and you have placed your faith in Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit residing in you and you have been given spiritual gifts and you are not using those gifts, you are sinning. So you've been at Chai Village for six months, a year, two years since the beginning, and you're still not serving, you're sinning. Because your gifts don't belong to you. This isn't, as you take that test later this week, this isn't the Enneagram. This isn't Myers-Briggs. This isn't a, hey, I'm going to take the test to get to know myself. No, no, no. This is not a get to know yourself. This is so I can give of myself. This is not self-discovery. It's about self-sacrifice. It just bothers me so much when Christians like, I took my test and I'm gifted in this. Hey, that's awesome, man. What are you doing with it? Ah, nothing. I just know myself better now. <laughs> well, that's great. And listen, here's, I'm going to just say it. If, if Tri Village, if you come here because the, the preaching or the worship or whatever, you just like the church is great, and you're just here to just be a consumer, amen, but go do that somewhere else. This ain't the church for you. We don't need fans. We need followers. Here are two quotes that I want to read to you that unpack this concept. The first one comes from Dr. John MacArthur. He says, it is critical to understand that spiritual gifts are not given for self-edification. A teacher who studies the word and then writes lessons that only he reads or records messages that only he hears prostitutes his gift. 
A person with the gift of discernment who keeps his spirit given insights to himself is an unfaithful steward. Nor are God's gift given for self-service. A Christian with the gift of helps must, by definition, be involved in serving others. Just as service, by definition, involves helping others. In the broad sense, therefore, every gift is a helps gift because every gift is a service gift. A gift exercised in private is a perverted gift. God gives his gifts to us, but for others. How many Christians here are using their gifts at school? They're using that gift, their gifts in their business? They're using their gifts to get ahead in life? But all the while, you're using your gifts to expand your kingdom, not God's. To expand your empire and not God's kingdom. We are personally blessed when we use our gifts in the Spirit's power to serve others in his name. But then he makes a distinction because non-Christians love serving because it's a blessing to them. I want to bless so I can be blessed. He says, but that blessing is a byproduct, not the purpose. We are stewards of God's gifts. They are loaned to us. They belong to him. They are for us to use, but by its power in his service and to his glory. Your gifts do not belong to you. And so when you keep them to yourself and you participate in consumeristic Christianity, you are sinning against God. Then Dr. Juan Sanchez, who's a pastor in Texas, here's what he says. He says, therefore, not only may no one boast about their giftedness, listen to this, no one may excuse themselves from service. For each Christian is gifted for service, for the common good, i.e., the profitability of all. So if you're a Christian, you are gifted by the Spirit for ministry. Do you believe that? If so, then serve. We are not consumers. He says consumerism, listen to this, is contrary to the gospel. Or another way to put it, American evangelicalism is contrary to the gospel. I heard a stat the other day that says that the average Christian comes to church 1.7 times a month. We did a study at, at, at Wheaton Bible Church, and, and just to show you the, the attendance people are giving, the average child, because since children give their name, you know how often families come because the child is recorded every time it comes. The average child goes to Wheaton Bible Church, get this, out of 52 weeks, 17 weeks a year. And those are the consistent ones. So consumeristic Christianity is alive and well. And consumeristic Christianity is contrary to the gospel. And contrary, he says, to the Spirit's work in us. May the Lord forgive us for our American evangelical churches, where we invite people to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The use of spiritual gifts is a stewardship through which we not only build up the body, but also glorify God. If you know Jesus, then you have been equipped by the Spirit, and your gifts don't belong to you. You are a steward and not an owner. So how about we start acting like it? 
So the first part of the call is to learn. The second part of the call is to discern. The third part of the call is to serve. And then lastly, the fourth and final part of the call is to glorify. I'm going to reread verses 4 through 6 and uh, highlight a different part of it. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the what? Distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the? There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same at work. And then in verse 11, he summarizes it like this. He says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so the reason why we can never be jealous or have competition or rivalry is because it's not us who determines it. It's the spirit who determines your gift, your service, and your working. Okay? So we are called to glorify God. It's the same source. There's a lot of gifts. There's a lot of services. There's a lot of levels of working, but it's always the same source. And since it's the same source, then that source is the only one that should get the glory, and his name is God. One of the things that Paul says at the beginning of, the, uh, of verses 1 and 3, he talks to them about how before they came to Jesus, they were led astray and they were carried away or led astray by mute idols. Th- that, that phrase there in the Greek, led astray, it literally means to be a condemned or captured prisoner being led towards your condemnation, towards your death. So according to the Bible, when we look at people who don't know Jesus, they seem like the free ones. We're in the rigid religious system, and they're the free ones. But according to Scripture, the people who are, who are in captivity to false gods and are being taken wherever the gods want them to be taken are people who don't know Jesus. He says that they are mute idols. And that's interesting that he talks about the, the word, the voice, that they are idols that cannot speak. The beautiful thing about our God, though, is not only can he speak, but he uses his voice to approve of you, to forgive you. To, 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 to give you the value that you can't find anywhere else. So what we see is that if we're going to be faithful stewards, we have to understand that our gifts do not belong to us. As a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul's talking to the Galatians about the freedom that they have won in Christ. He says, now that you have been given freedom... In Christ, he says, remember that we were in captivity before. He says, now that you have been given freedom in Christ, use that freedom not to indulge the flesh, but to serve others. I'm already loved. I'm already accepted. I'm already approved of. So now I can go out and serve you with no strings attached because I don't need anything from you. That's That's what the Bible says. So here's what this means. If, if, If it's true that the gifts we are given are from God to us for others, then what that means is God should receive the glory. But what, what, what can happen, though, is if we're not careful, we can start taking credit for something that we didn't do and for something we didn't earn. So here's, here's, what's, here's what's important. I, I remember when I first became a, a Christian, I was a Christian for about two years, and then I started to, to preach God's word. And at the beginning, I didn't really understand the, the, the gifts and, and how they all worked. And so when people would give me compliments, I wouldn't say this verbally, but in my heart, I'd be like, yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> You're not kidding, brother. I killed it. <laughs> and then one of my mentors, seeing my heart, 
He pulled me aside one day. He's like, here's what I want you to say from here on out. When someone comes up to you and compliments your gift, respond with praise the Lord. He's like, even if you don't believe it, do it until you believe it. And so that's what I started doing. And for years, I didn't believe it. But over time, and the older I've gotten and the longer I've preached, I've preached on days that I'm discouraged. I've preached on days that I'm sick. I've preached on days that I'm sad. I preach on days that I'm tired. And I really mean it now. Like, there's no way I could do this if it wasn't for God. So the praise of the Lord has become a habit that over time became a reality. Like, I actually started to believe it. I would challenge you that whatever gifts God's given you, make sure that when someone is telling you how great it is or how great you are, you're like, hey, hey, you know what? Praise the Lord, man. Whether your job is a secular job or a Christian job, if you are using the gifts God has given you, Give glory to the one who gave it to you. Okay? Which is, a a few years ago, I read uh, this book on on encouragement uh, by Dr. Larry Crabb. And he says that one of the mistakes that we make in Christianity is when there is a Christian trying to encourage another Christian, he says a lot of times what we do is we compliment instead of affirm. He says there's a very big difference between complimenting someone and affirming someone. Complimenting someone is when you walk up to someone and say, hey, man, you're killing it. You're awesome. You're the best. The problem is that you're making it about them. He says that for true Christians to encourage, we must not compliment, we must affirm. So instead of saying, you're great, you can say, hey, man, God really used you to do this. Hey, when you were talking or when you were leading or when you were counseling, whatever it is, whatever gift God gave you, man, I really felt God's presence. I really felt the spirit of God. So then you're, you're, you're building the brother or sister up. But, but you're pointing them to the source, which is God and not them. So those are the four parts of our calling. We are called to learn. We are called to discern, to serve, and to glorify. So now that we have a better understanding of our calling, I want to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at the cost. Now here's what we've learned up to this point, Okay. Up to this point, what we have discovered is that if you're sitting here today and you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only does the Holy Spirit reside in you, but the Holy Spirit has given you, has equipped you with supernatural gifts, abilities, uh, and faculties, not to grow your empire, but to expand God's kingdom. That's what we've learned up to this point. Amen? Amen. Okay, just want to make sure. All right, so, so, but here's the thing. These gifts that have been given to us are all well and good, but here's the problem with gifts. The problem with a gift is that by definition, it is free to the recipient, but it is costly to the giver. Okay? By definition, that's how gifts work, right? You guys are checking with me, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. When you give a gift, by definition, it is free to the recipient, but it is costly to the giver. Now, now, here's what you have to realize. The higher the value of the gift, the higher the cost to the giver. That's how gifts work. And if that's the case, then what we realize is that there is an extremely high cost because these gifts are extremely valuable. It's an incredibly high cost because these, these gifts are incredibly valuable. But here's the thing. Even though the cost is pretty high when you look at it from that angle, I would argue that the cost is actually infinitely higher than we can even imagine. Absolutely. And the reason why is because it, it wasn't just uh, uh, very expensive or very costly for someone to buy the spiritual gifts. 
But these spiritual gifts actually point us to a, a, a specific spiritual gift. So the gifts, plural, point us to a gift, singular. So let's go to the passage. In the passage, here's what it says in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. Now, here's what's interesting about that word gifts. Paul uses it again and again throughout this passage. The Greek word there for gifts is charismaton or charismaton, okay, is the word that we get charisma from. But what's so beautiful about that word charismaton is that the root word charis is actually the word for grace. So, so, so get this. Paul is saying that we have been given charismaton, which are spiritual gifts. But if you take the maton part out and just live the charis, then what you see is that those spiritual gifts are only ours because we've been given a spiritual gift, singular. So the spiritual gift is charis, which is grace. And that then results in charismaton, which are the spiritual gifts that we've been given. Listen, the only way that we are ever going to be able to utilize our spiritual gifts is when we embrace our spiritual gift. Yes, sir. So when you understand that, that there is a greater or, or I would argue a deeper cost or a higher cost, that it's not just, it wasn't just him buying these spiritual gifts, uh, plural, but, but someone had to pay for and, and, and take on the cost of the spiritual gift, uh, singular. When you understand that, you start to see that this cost was extremely high. And I don't know if you got the email, but we didn't pay it. Someone else had to pay it. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now here's what's crazy. When you look at the passage, it says, therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And so the point that Paul is making there is that no one who actually has the Spirit would ever say, Jesus, be cursed. But what's so fascinating about that, that, that phrase is that it's partially wrong, but partially true. Because you're right. He's right. Jesus isn't cursed in the present tense, but you better believe that Jesus was cursed in the past tense. Okay? So Jesus be cursed is heretical. Jesus was cursed is the gospel. Yes, sir. Here's why I know. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, in the Old Testament, it says that whoever is hung on a cross is cursed. And here's what's crazy. In the Greek version of the Old Testament that's normally in Hebrew, the Greek word there is the same Greek word that's used there. It's the Greek word anathema. It means to be severely condemned, to be severely punished. And so Jesus isn't a curse, but Jesus was a curse. Right. He paid the price. He took on the cost that we couldn't take on ourselves. Right. So, so get this. At the cross, Jesus Christ was a curse so that we might be approved. At the cross, Jesus Christ was made anathema so that we might be made adopted. At the cross, Jesus Christ was condemned so that we might be commended. At the cross, Jesus Christ was punished so that we might be pardoned. At the cross, Jesus Christ was rejected so that we might be received. Come on, church. And so here's what starts to happen. When you understand that, when you get that, when that starts to hit you, when the reality of who you are vertically starts to hit you, it starts to change the way you respond horizontally. So, so, so this, so think about this. We're going to bring the sermon full circle here in a second. The, the, because the cost was so high, then that means that the calling that we've been given is also very high. And this calling has vertical and horizontal implications. It impacts us vertically and horizontally. 
So listen, the first way that this calling impacts us is it impacts us vertically. And here's why. In the passage, in verse 1 of chapter 12, Paul begins and he says, listen, my brothers and sisters. Now, if you're not paying attention, that wouldn't mean anything to you. But you have to understand who Paul is writing to. He is writing to easily the most sinful church that he's ever written to. The most sinful church he will ever write to. And he calls them brothers and sisters, which is covenant language. It's love language. We are part of the same family. What's crazy, though, is that literally a chapter earlier, in chapter 11, Paul is so angry. He is so discouraged with the Corinthians because they were literally taking the Lord's Supper and getting drunk with it. So in chapter 11, he's yelling at them. He's rebuking them, calling them sinners. And then in chapter 12, he calls them brothers. And you're like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. These are the same people. Did you change who you were writing to? Like, did you, did you get up on the right side of the bed this morning? Why did you change the language that you are using? The reason why Paul changed their language is because Paul knew who these people were vertically. He wasn't judging them horizontally. He was judging them vertically. Okay? So, so Paul could have easily used guilt, but instead he uses grace. But Paul knew that the reason why they were brothers and sisters, it wasn't because of their behavior, it was because of their belief. He knew that they were brothers and sisters, not because of their performance, but because of their position. He knew they were brothers and sisters, not because of their activity, but because of their vertical approval. And so he calls them what they're not, practically, but what they are, positionally. Man, when you understand who you are vertically... That in spite of, so maybe you're sitting here and you've never served a tri-village. And a few minutes ago you felt guilty. I can tell you, that's not where I'm ending the sermon. Because guilt only works for a little bit. But grace is the ultimate motivator. And so what Paul does is, Paul shows up and he knows that the only way he's going to get a horizontal response is if he allows them to see the vertical reality of who they are. When you see the vertical reality of who you are, then your horizontal response it turns out to be what you, what you do, what you have to do. It's only once we understand who we are that we start to behave how we should. So get this. So, so what Paul says to them, he, he has not only vertical implications, but it then also has horizontal implications. So Paul says, this is who you are. Now go and act how, how you should And what's so beautiful about the way Paul writes this and the way Paul addresses this is Paul wants them to know once you understand that you have vertical acceptance, then and only then will you go out and have horizontal action. And once you embrace your vertical salvation, then and only then will there be horizontal service. That's what Paul is saying. To them and to us. Listen, I am convinced that the reason why Tri-Village Church, in particular, and the, the American church in general, the reason why people are not serving horizontally is because they haven't embraced their salvation vertically. It's just how it works. The Bible doesn't use imperatives to motivate us. It uses indicatives. Imperatives are go and do. Indicatives are, this is who you are. 
Listen, to the degree that you embrace the cost of salvation, to that same degree you will exhibit the calling of service. To the degree that you embrace the greatest gift, singular, to that same degree you will display the smaller gifts, plural. Here's what's so beautiful about the gospel. God is so good and he is so gracious to us that not only does he call us to join his kingdom, which is the singular gift, but then by his grace, he calls us to advance his kingdom, which is the plural gift. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to go serve somebody. If Jesus came to be, to not be served, but to serve, and that's our Savior, and that's the ultimate motivator, catalyst, for all called to serve. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and we are just so incredibly grateful that the only reason why we get to utilize our spiritual gifts is because you have given us the ultimate gift of salvation. And Father, I pray, here's what I pray. I pray that we would really just take time this week to, to understand just how incredible the gift of salvation is. In Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of salvation is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. Help us, Lord, to embrace that vertical gift so that we might then exhibit the horizontal gifts. We love you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people say.